0: Today's podcast is supported by Open Campus, the new school's progressive approach to continuing education. Explore online and on-campus programs designed to satisfy every type of learner with courses in art and design with Parsons, management, media, writing, and more. Open Campus is more than a course. It's a new kind of network. Fall courses begin August 28th. Enroll today at opencampus.newschool.edu.
1: Now entering Nerdist.com.
0: The ATX Television Festival is always a wonderful experience, and Season 6, which was held June 8th through 11th this year, 2017, was no exception. As usual, Austin was the place to be for TV fans who got panels and programming of current series like The Americans, Bajillion Dollar Properties, and The Mick, reunions of Northern Exposure, Battlestar Galactica, the shows of Linda Bloodworth Thomason, and others, and panels on topics ranging from first gigs and big breaks to TV under Trump. I'm going to bring you recordings of a whole lot of these panels, and today's episode is one of them. ATX itself is putting up video of many of the events, and you can find those at atelevisionexperience.com. They'll also soon offer podcasts, both ones you'll find here and recordings exclusive to the ATX podcast feed at atelevisionexperience.com podcasts. Check that out in the coming months. In the meantime, first of all, go get tickets to season seven of ATX Television Festival. It's June 7th through 10th, 2018. And as usual, it'll be a special TV experience. And now, enjoy today's episode.
2: I'm so excited to be doing this one. This is one of my very favorite shows. Um, and we're so lucky to have the creative masterminds behind it. So I just want to bring them straight out. Uh, let's start with Ken Olin. <laughs> you are right here. Sarah Kaplan. Josh Applebaum. Andre Nemec. Last but not least, Monica Wu green I really, I wanted to start at the very beginning. I wanted to start. I just rewatched all of Alias, all five seasons, and and it was wonderful. It holds up. Um, but the pilot is such an amazing. Feet of television. So much is established. It's incredible. Sarah, I know that you and JJ were the ones who came up with the original pilot. Can you talk a little bit about how it all came together? Um, well,
3: I found... I was working on Felicity, producing Felicity, and I found... <laughs> Found JJ walking around with the script and doing things with little model cars. I said, "What are you doing?" Because I'm the writings pilot. And I go, "Oh, that's interesting." And I was supposed to go on and do a different show with a different, quite famous uh, producer. I'm not going to mention. And I, I said, "Oh, I'd like to do that." And he said, "Really?" I go, "Yeah, yeah." And he was he made these little... He got some little bits of green screen and he made little films of some of his writers on that and put them dancing on a on margarine cans inside a refrigerator and filmed them. <laughs> that's the kind... And we sort of play around doing silly things like that. And so uh, he said... So I read Alias and I said, oh, that's really good. I want to do it. And uh, somebody else wanted me and I said, you have to tell... Make a deal. And they made a deal. So we went off and we, we did it. And... Um, it was, he had a very clear idea of what he wanted. Um, I had the good fortune to, to have done a little bit of a special effects show before that called The Others. And so I had some contacts, like people that could do some of the things that needed to be done, like big explosions underground and so forth, like in the laboratory and stuff. And we had uh, Tommy Fisher, who did um, Titanic. Titanic. He was a special effects guy on Titanic. And, uh, and I think it was the first time that JJ had ever had anyone who could actually do that stuff really well. <laughs> and uh, so he did this big explosion, and Tommy comes along and says, well, ''You like it?'' And, he, he got, and JJ looks at me and he goes, ''Can I do it again?'' <laughs> I go, ''Sure.'' And, and uh, so Tommy goes, ''Well, okay, how high and how far?'' And, and, and he goes, ''Like to up to here and uh, this high and...'' ''Okay.'' And JJ goes, how long is it going to take you to reset it? I think it would be hours. Five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Comes in and does it perfectly. And um, we we, ha- we had a, a lot of... It was an amazing thing. If you have any questions about how... Other questions about how it was made. Um, and one thing that I, struck me a lot in the cutting room was he would... Uh, JJ would be giving notes to the editor, writing the music in, on one computer, doing the graphics on another computer, and... And a couple of us would like painting out the cables that were holding <laughs> Jennifer up as she climbed the wall at the end. And I was like, oh, he can do three things at once. That's weird.
4: You have to tell them the story about Jen's about the red hair. Oh, the red hair. So uh,
3: he wanted her to have red hair, and uh, so we had red hair wigs and none of them were good enough and he's like no it's not the right red it's just not the right red and we still haven't really found the right red and i was like no, i don't know what to do and we're out scouting in, at ucla and uh this girl walks by and she has uh badly dyed hair and at the bottom <laughs> she has some red hair and it's blonde at the top and it sort of goes through all these different colors and i'm like i'd go jj Look at that girl's hair. The bottom. The bottom. That's good, right? And he goes, yeah, I like that. And I go, okay. So I go to the girl and I said, would you mind? It's kind of a weird request, but could I take a little snippet of the bottom of your hair? And, uh, because we're looking for this certain colour and and the director thinks that yours is the perfect colour and we haven't been able to find it. And she looks at me and she goes, no. (laughs) No. And I sort of I go really. <laughs> I go why not? She says, "Well, uh, you know, I I've grown this hair, and that hair has been with me for fourteen years." And I'm like, "Yeah, well, I only want a few, a few hairs." And she said, "No." And I'm like, "Well, we'll pay you for the we'll pay you for the little bit of hair." <laughs> and she, and by now she's sitting down with her friends. It turns out she's a math major, and <laughs> she's. She's very smart. And I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. So finally, she agrees that we can buy a little bit of the hair. So I look at my crew. I don't have any money on me. Uh, JJ doesn't have any money on him. So I rustle $39 (laughs) off (laughs) off various members of the crew. And I give her the money. And I'm allowed to take a tiny little sample. And that's the color of (laughs) her hair in the pilot. (laughs)
2: Uh, right in the pilot, we first hear about Milo Rimbaldi. Um, and as you guys all know, this is a, another very important character uh, in this show. So when you and JJ were first doing the pilot, had you thought past the pilot on what Milo Rimbaldi's uh, whole plan was? Or? He
3: might have done. I had not. <laughs> we had such a problem with the the, the spinning tomatoes, we called it. <laughs> And Like what is it, JJ? That'll help us figure out how to make it. And uh, so it was—it was quite complicated. And we we did that effect many times. It was like never quite right. It was like what 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 are we doing? We don't know. Why why the red ball? Why the spinning tomato? Right. And so it. <laughs> I didn't realize that it was going to be the, the sort of the, the thing that followed me for several years, <laughs> trying to figure out <laughs> bits of Rembaldi stuff, <laughs> but uh, you know, it did. <laughs> um, I could not explain it to you in this light. <laughs> well,
2: for the rest of you writers who then came on and, and had to take this over, what, when you first came on, Can you run on season one, what was it, what did you guys decide you wanted to do to accomplish in that first season?
5: Um, mostly for what, – what did we want? We just really were trying to get through it. It, it was so complicated. I, 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 I've said before, but, you know, this was the first time I think probably in television that a writer, a creator had come in, J.J., and said, I'm going to write whatever I want, whatever, whatever story I want, I'm not going to be restrained by, you know, preconceived notions of what can and can't be accomplished um, on a television schedule, a television budget, and then I'll let Sarah Kaplan figure out how to give me what I want. And, um, but, but, you know, for me, I, I thought that was the best pilot I'd ever seen. I really did. I thought that, you, you know, um, it was so sure of what it wanted to be. It had this incredible sense of humor. It had this incredible cast. It was just so exciting and fantastic. Uh, you know, and, and, and for me, coming into that first season, you know, Sarah and I, they had taken, you know, Sarah says 14 days. It, it was like more like, you know, three years to shoot that pilot. And then we were supposed to come in and do an episode that was at least as big as the pilot in eight days. And, I mean, and he was writing, you know, open-heart surgery with explosions of people (laughs) coming from a Japanese garden, and she's got... She, like, she's having a, uh, you know, a karate battle. It had to be an indoor pool with Russians, and, I mean, it was so... Like, I'd never read, you know, I'd never read a movie like this, let alone, like, a TV. And Sarah and I are like, this is crazy. And, like, Sarah says, JJ would go this is why I got into television. You know, it's like, uh, and JJ's like the sweetest, you know, like, he's like, uh, how can you deny little JJ what he wants? You know, and, and then it was like, it was incredible. And we were both like, this is, it was impossible. And, but it's because he, he was a visionary that way. And now, you know, people do this all the time, but we weren't doing it. It's like the, the red tomato or whatever that thing was. It's like you wouldn't just go, oh, okay, let's put in, put a green screen there, and visual effects will come in, and they'll take a picture or whatever. You know, like what these guys are doing on Zoo now. It's like it's crazy, but you, there's being done everywhere. People were not doing this. Like that level of of imagination, it was just unbridled. And and, but you know what? It was fun. It 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 was it was really fun. JJ it, it brought. He loved it, and we all had a really, really good time, I think. It's kind of hard to remember, you know. It's, we did, we did. We were really tired for a while. <laughs> Still
4: just getting our energy
2: back. <laughs> well, and we have to talk about Jennifer Garner. I mean, the entire cast is amazing, but, I mean, would the show work with anyone other than Jennifer Garner, who is such a phenomenal actress, but also really makes you believe physically she could do absolutely everything Sidney Bristow? can do
1: as well. She did do
5: everything. I mean, right. for the first two years, she did almost everything. Yep. You know, she had a great, great stunt double, this woman who, was, who could, was brilliant at fighting. But Jen, I mean, she... And she wanted to do everything. She loved doing the stunts. She loved... She loved the languages, the, everything you could throw at her. She was just...
3: In fact, when she was uh, pregnant, uh, I was the only person that knew... <laughs> And we were shooting the last, I think it was the last episode I did, actually. It was the end of season four. And uh, she's supposed to be, Sydney Bristow has this fight on a rooftop and Shauna was doing it because she couldn't fight anymore. Jen couldn't fight because she was pregnant, and I couldn't tell anybody. And the director kept saying, sending down someone saying, I need Jennifer up here. She needs to do this fine. I go, she's not coming. She's not coming. And I go, why isn't she coming? I said, I can't. I, she's, not, she's not doing it. She doesn't want to do it. We're not doing it. Get over it. You've got Shauna. Shauna Duggins, by the way, the greatest uh, stunt double and now great stunt coordinator. Um, she... She wouldn't, and they, he could not get his head around it for the longest time until he realized he was not going to get her, finally. They were all standing there waiting, and like, she's not coming. Stop. I
2: mean, talk about being tired. I can only imagine Jennifer Garner's work schedule uh, on a week-to-week basis, but from everything I've read, she was one of those people who just never complains and always was, was ready to go, right?
5: Yeah, she was all, I mean, she, you know, you, you talk about, like, number one, it's the number that you know, is associated with an actor on a, on a call sheet. And, and she was an incredible number one. Everything was done with enthusiasm and generosity and warmth. And she, she was like a, a professional athlete in terms of what she went to do with that, you know, smile. She's like a sweet southern girl. I mean, she, she was phenomenal. And, and I mean, this, this we would work at the beginning 14-hour days. She was doing stunts. These complicated uh, action sequences, these emotional scenes. It was very. Her character was very vulnerable, emotional, and she was learning Mandarin Chinese. Like I mean, like, and the, these guys would throw stuff at her. Like, okay, here you're going to describe the way that you put together, you know, an AR fifty-seven to a, gr- a you know gun dealers in Mandarin, and she would have to like learn that. I mean, plus she would spend. Saturday and Sunday doing publicity for the show. So, I mean, it, 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 we broke her eventually. We broke, we broke her, but you know, we were all like, "How are we going to break her?" And and we did eventually. But it, it was it was uh, extraordinary. Her 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 stamina. It, it was phenomenal.
2: How many languages did Sydney Bristow actually speak? Do we know?
5: Does anyone out Somebody there know? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
2: Somebody out there knows. <laughs> I'm curious how you balanced the emotional parts of the show with the action. Um, How did you guys sort of approach that? I feel like in the first season, second season, Mm -hmm. it was really like a balancing act of, you know, how much of it, it's really a father-daughter story is the heart of the whole show, right? Um, Amidst all the rest of it. So I'm curious all through the seasons, how you guys sort of went about balancing that. We really,
4: first and foremost, always looked at the show as a family drama, you know, and if that story wasn't playing, there was no episode. I mean, we would, and you know, often we would talk about, okay, what's the spy story? What's the Rimbaldi story? We would put that up on the board, but that almost came easiest because mm-hmm. then the real hard question was, how are we moving her forward as a character? How are we playing with this delicious, complicated family dynamic?
6: Because right. everything in the missions got scarier, the more right. you were invested in her world and her carrying the emotional baggage of a father-daughter scene into China, into that gun dealer meeting, if you knew that
2: that was bubbling underneath, it just everything became more electric. Right. Yeah. And the show premiered a couple of weeks after 9-11. Um, and I, was there stuff ever feeling about, like, the outside world affecting the, the inside world of Alias as far as talking about security and, mm-hmm. and country?
5: Well, I mean, yeah, that, that was mm-hmm. really tough. We were we were filming, um, I don't remember what episode we, uh, on yeah. 9-11. And, you know, I mean... That was you know it was so devastating we all I mean that was that, that that was a cosmic shift in the way all of us live. And there we were doing a show, and I was shooting an episode that ended with Sydney you know um, wearing uh, like a hood holding an, a, a bomb in her hand you know and w- the show was done always with a sense of humor right. and if we lost that sense of humor, we were losing the fundamental tone. Of the show, so to try to figure out, okay, you know, she's holding a bomb. How are we going to do that? And it, it 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 took some time. The network, you know, when we were all concerned, like, is this show even appropriate now? And and you know what? I think partially because we were going, you know, this is our take on the world. You know, is 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 different than this. We aren't trying to be self-serious. We are trying to do a show about this girl who thought. Her parents were one thing, and they're completely different. And and, and I think we got through it, but it, it, was, it was really, it was strange then, but it, everything was strange.
2: And something that struck me as I rewatched it was that in the earlier seasons, Sidney um, Bristow very rarely killed anyone. I felt like she was always sort of doing hand-to-hand combat. There's a lot of Trank guns, and then that sort of started shifting away. Was that a conscious decision, or it just became...
5: At the time, there weren't a lot of women that age running around killing people. So I think it, um, it, was, it probably, there was, we were now. trying to be like, no, there's similitude. Like, how many 28-year-old women are running around, like, gunning people down and killing them with their bare hands? So we wanted to hold back the amount of slaughter. I remember that was it's a big thing growing. in the writer's room. How much slaughter should there be in it's this happens for Sydney?
2: Well, as as time went on, as, as, as things got more complicated, I want to know, like, did you have a timeline of Rimbaldi? Did you have, a, like, a chart explaining everybody's various identities? How did it work in the writer's room?
7: I feel like someone did have a chart of yes. Rimbaldi. It wasn't me.
1: <laughs>
2: but
7: someone did. Um, no, I think we kind of had a basic sense of it, but Rimbaldi was just sort of this... Onion to be unpeeled. So there was a lot of discovering of new Rimbaldi stuff along the way. And sometimes it was like, what would be fun <laughs> to discover? To be, you know, I mean, but there was a fun real, discovery. we would spend real time
6: vetting ideas. So new ideas would come up at the end of season four when it's I'm not Michael Vaughn. That was a idea that came up and it. I don't think anybody was sitting around for seasons being like, "He's not
7: Michael." Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. You'd be like,
6: hey, what if he wasn't Michael? What if? What about dropping that bomb on Sydney? But we never did it haphazardly. I mean, we would debate for sometimes days Weeks. about how does this play through all of the episodes? Is this as this live and appropriately told through all of the episodes? And it was something that we always tried to be very precious with, and took a lot of time to to. And we did. We had like the. The marginalia of he did this and he
7: was <laughs> right, in a seat so it didn't feel like a cheat.
6: Person, he wouldn't have lied to that person, so then that idea can't work because they were having a private moment. So it was a lot of that in terms of like laying out all the twists and the turns. That 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 was a that was a chore when we were yeah. in the room, but fun to come up with the ideas. Then the <laughs> chore of like betting them.
5: I feel like JJ. The the thing it is, I feel like JJ. There's a logic that he has that it's his logic. And he's, and he's, and he's yeah. passionate about that logic. I mean, yeah. passionate. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a logic that applies outside of his room. No, no, but, but, he, but that's what makes him so extraordinary as, as a filmmaker, is that his imagination and what he feels is truthful in the worlds that he creates, he feels very strongly about it. I, I, just, I have to tell a story on him because it, I just... You know, I was doing this episode, and... Uh Sydney is escaping through a cornfield, you know, for whatever you know, I don't know where like cornfield and, and they're chasing her and they're trying to shoot her. And JJ had been, I think, doing Lost or whatever. And he, you know, then he came back and he was working on the episode and he watches the scene where Sydney's running through the cornfield and these guys are chasing her and machine gunning after her and they're shooting the corn and everything. And he looks at him, and he goes, Nobody hits her? What the hell is this? Magic corn? And I said, <laughs> And I said, JJ, you have a guy that lived five hundred years ago with a flower coming out of a box that's still alive. <laughs> and and but that was JJ. And that was, you know, and he always I tell him that story. I said, the magic corn story where you so one time he yelled at me, What is this magic corn? <laughs> like anyway, <that's> my story. <laughs> magic corn. Uh, in season two I wanna
2: talk about phase one, the Super Bowl episode. Uh, not only, you know, it had the whole Super Bowl lead-in, a lot of people remember the lingerie aspect, I think, of that episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> but,
3: <laughs>
2: yes?
5: That was Sarah's lingerie, and she didn't want to give it up for the show.
3: We shot another show that was going to be that show. Oh, really? And... uh when, when we were making it, we go, JJ, this is a really dark show. <laughs> and he you goes, know, no, no, this is going to be fine. It's going to be fine. <laughs> I think he takes it home to show his wife, and she goes, that is a really dark show. It <laughs> was
5: the Ethan Hawke episode. Oh, that yeah. was going to be the Super Bowl show.
3: So he says, okay, we're going to do a different one. <laughs> and we're like, okay. So suddenly we're racing to do this show. I think that the post-production lady somehow she made it but she had about four days to turn the visual effects around on that and we were shooting 18 hours a day it was bananas it was like oh my god we could have done it the other way around (laughs) (laughs) but it was like one of those things the, the train shifted and we all shifted around but it was unbelievably stressful to get that episode out in time
2: that episode sort of blew up the, the whole show and sort of restarted things, which I don't think anyone had really ever done that on, on TV before. Just completely everything you knew about it now wiped clean. We're starting over. What was the, what was the idea behind that? What was the thinking to get there?
5: We weren't there yet.
4: Yeah, we weren't.
3: <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't in the room. Well, I <laughs> had no
5: idea. You're right. You know what? You're right. What's the thinking behind that, Sarah? What are they thinking? That's not Sarah's real accent, by the way. She changes it. She's from Brooklyn.
4: I mean, the one thing I will say about that, when we did come on to the show, that Super Bowl episode and the way that it blew up the show, that became... You know, it it, it inspired the writer's room in the sense that we always knew that at any moment we could turn the show on its head. And I think there was probably another two or three times, maybe not to that extent, but that we sort of followed that path. And it was was something that was...
7: No, and it was funny when my writing partner and I got hired on the show. We're like, all right, let's watch all the episodes. We'll learn the show. We'll really learn it. We'll get the formula. We'll figure it out. And then we get to the last episode and it's like... And then two years forward. <laughs> and I'm like, All right, well that was just let's, okay. All right, that's cool. <laughs> but yeah, no, the willingness to throw it not throw it away, but start over, to like radically shift the show. He's kind of fear like JJ was fearless that way. Yeah. And it as a writer keeps you on your toes. He's like, All right, how do we make the show with an entirely different world? In an entirely different like situation with different character relations and yeah, no, it was it was fun. Um. But JJ was always a lot about the storytelling, like,
6: and what now? So there were all these ideas that people would have that would be, like, good ideas. And he'd be like, great, let's do that today. Like, let's just do that idea and, like, let's not build to it, let's not save it. Because he was always interested in the, and now what? Now mm-hmm. what does this character do? Now that it's yep. two years later, they learn some secret. So that was very inspiring and at times super frustrating because... <laughs> We'd like break an episode, <laughs> put it on board, and we'd be like, the end of Act 4. And you'd be like, that's great. He's like, that should be the teaser.
7: Yes.
5: <laughs> Which,
4: okay. Now we have no episode. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right.
6: Let's order dinner.
2: <laughs> uh, the arrival of Lena Olin, who was incredible on, on the show. Um, amazing casting. It worked It worked so well. But I, I was struck when I how many amazing guest stars and guest appearances and arcs you guys had crazy. I mean crazy Faye Dunaway Quentin Tarantino I mean you just go on and on and on did you guys have a wish list or did people start approaching you about wanting to get onto the show
3: I think it was who JJ wanted to
2: meet 100% <laughs>
4: Ricky Gervais, Ricky for Gervais. sure, was, was he got obsessed with the British office, yes. and he's like, I, like,
1: we ha- I think if we in. write
4: something really cool, we could get this guy to fly in, and he'll do the show, I think, I hope, and so we came up with this thing, and yeah.
3: One of my favourites was the Scottish dude that he's... I can't remember what show he'd found him on, an, an English television show. And nobody could understand what he was saying. But we loved him. <laughs> I could understand. But he he was the guy in the mental asylum that he, he got rescued. Yeah. John Hanna, I believe his name is. John Hanna. Yeah. That, that was really... Those, those, those episodes, I thought, were really fun and kind of like, oh. But everybody said, I can't understand the word he's saying.
4: <laughs> it was amazing, though... It, uh, on the staff, because usually on television shows, you'd say, you know, so it's like an Angela Bassett type or a Quentin Tarantino yes. type, and then look, it was actually them <laughs> doing it. It was...
5: You don't have that experience on those shows. Very... I think it's very hard to say no to JJ. I mean, it, it just is. You know, it's like one of the... Uh, one of the executives would, would say, don't let J.J. come in here because I can't say no to him. Right. You know, so, <laughs> you know, if J.J. called Roger Moore, he loved Roger Moore. He, 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 Roger Moore is going to come do the show. Lean going to come do the show. And, you know, it was, it, it was, it was incredible. He's, he's an extraordinarily charismatic and, and he's wonderful.
2: Did anyone ever actually say no to him? Was there anything that you guys wanted to do? Sarah.
5: <laughs> Sarah said no, but it w- wasn't about acting in it. It was like, please, JJ, we can't have, you know, another, I don't know, what, $8 million to do, you know, the uh, this chase scene. but, but...
3: Well, the thing was that you had to come up with something else. So sometimes I'd, I'd find, like, a one episode there was a thing where she's a hippie girl and she goes to this big market and stuff and um it was written kind of differently i can't it was in a it took place in a mausoleum and we were scouting mausoleums and we found this weird mausoleum in um south los angeles and it was done like a like a islamic temple and i was like oh we could do like a market here and so i dragged the director outside i said just let's rethink this, because we could do everything how it's written, the action could take place, but what if she was a hippie chick and she, she's doing it, that's her disguise, and we put all this stuff in, we'll put carpets, we'll bring some animals, we'll do all this stuff, and he sat there for about an hour figuring out, he goes, okay. <laughs> so then I went back to Jada and I said, we found this better place, why can you shift it and have them in Morocco instead of wherever they were, I can't remember. And he goes, okay, he liked it. That, so that was the kind of Thing, but really sometimes saying when we did the box episode which was uh, originally was supposed to be one episode and I kept saying it's two because we can't, we can't shoot it at in, in the time and it was supposed to be what we call a bottle episode which meant we never left Disney. <laughs> 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 Luckily Disney had a lot of tunnels. <laughs> and so uh, and he's no 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 I want it to be like that and he's like I go, okay um, so we'll, we'll try because I could not get them off there actually and uh, they started shooting the first day the AD was still trying to schedule it to figure out how to do it in, in the amount of days that we had and uh, I'd gone to Las Vegas to scout I came back these people are still shooting they've been shooting for 12 hours and they've done a quarter of the day's work and I'm like oh look it's like they lost the war in Vietnam and they're still fighting <laughs> And they're completely oblivious. And I go leave the room. I go back to my office. It's two o'clock in the morning. I call JJ. I said, "Get me JJ on the phone." Yeah. And I go, "JJ, we can't do it. It's two episodes." And he goes, "Okay. What if I? I'll take this scene. And I'll rewrite that down, I'll put that scene here. And if we put the part here, and we'll go like..." And I'm like, "I'm thinking, should I write this down? <laughs> I'm really tired. I don't remember, but he remembered, and he did it." And we, it took us twenty days t- to shoot oh, this man. thing that he thought we could do in eight.
2: <laughs> and these are the episodes with Quentin Tarantino, yes. right? Yes. yes. What was that like having him on set and directing yeah, a trip. him?
5: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you know, he was great. I mean, he was great. He was just really, really into it. He, he's, he's, you know, he's so compelling. He's so charismatic. But wow, he was a trip, oh, and yeah. he just loved it. He loved it.
3: He would hit, sometimes he'd hit jennifer by mistake she was like bruce
5: <laughs> yeah he's not a great stunt he's not guy. a good stunt. <laughs> <laughs> jennifer was like uh oh, can we use it but you no, know, quentin's into it jen and she'd be like oh my god you know Quentin <laughs> close you don't actually hit her i know i know i know bam <laughs> you know, like, no, it was, it was, but god he was he was you know everybody was having so much fun and he's fun you know, wild
2: did you guys start writing to the actor's strengths? Like, I noticed, you know, Michael Vartan starts speaking French a lot. You know, the, there's things like... The the relationship between Victor Garber and Jennifer Garner is you can just feel the yeah, real... They're so close yeah, in, in real it.
4: life. And that was... Those scenes always became, like, such a treat to write because you knew they would just absolutely crush them and they were in love with each other off camera and that mm-hmm. you knew that stuff would translate on. You couldn't write enough Jack Sidney scenes.
2: Right.
5: Yeah, I think I think... Yeah, it's certainly writing to you know Michael, Bartan and Jen had incredible chemistry, and you know learning what some people's um, you know what what their skills are. Bradley Cooper was incredible. Had and, and I think one of the things with Bradley was you know realizing like wow his sense of humor um, was fantastic, and 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 some of that was probably written to a little more and and and. I think, yeah, at any show I think that happens. Is It's, it's a combination of watching the actor, I think, try to rise to the material, and also realizing, okay, these are things that this person does in a really special way. Right. Uh, you guys know that more than I do, but... Yeah, you
6: find their rhythms and you find their energy, and, and part of the fun also <laughs> was... Taking two people who had never really been in the room together or in a scene together and doing those mashups was always like, "What if we put that guy in a scene with that guy? Let's see what happens." Uh, mm-hmm. So that was a lot of the fun of, of writing the characters.
2: Yeah, I can imagine. Um, with Lena Olin coming in as Irina Drevko, why was there a, a choice not to have her come back in the the following seasons, except as as a guest star, or did she not want to? Did she not want to commit?
3: She, she didn't want to commit. She was actually strange. She was very difficult to, get, to be, get her to the place to be on the show. But once she was there, she was, like, happy as a clam. But I think it was all, like, this, the idea of working she didn't like, but when she was working, she loved it. <laughs>
2: to And that.
3: That quite- <laughs> <laughs> she was really lovely to work, really fun and everything. And she was kind of—it was weird that it was so hard to get her each time to come and do it. From, she was coming from Sweden. I'm no, she was coming from. Life. She lived with Burbank. Oh, no, no, no. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> North Hollywood. <laughs> no.
5: Another person. That the, accent isn't in real in either. Upstate,
3: upstate New York. She She's married to a Danish director. Lassie Hallstrom. Lassie Hallstrom, yeah.
2: yeah. Oh. Um, when did you tell Maren Dungy that she, that Francie, uh, first of all, I need to know who wrote the line, Francie doesn't like coffee, ice cream. No oh. one <laughs> <laughs> No one here. <laughs> Did you guys realize that that was going to yeah. become, like, a thing for Alias fans? At right. what point did you, did you know that this was catching on?
4: Just found out. No. Yeah. I was going to say just no, ha-
2: now. Oh, really? No, <laughs> I, have,
7: I was watching it as a fan and trying to figure out the show before I worked on it. And I thought, okay, that's a killer moment. That's, <laughs> like, a crazy good moment. Because it's subtle and specific, and a roommate would know that.
2: And so when when there are these big character twists, like telling her that Francie is, is Allison, or Michael Vartan is now, Vaughn is now going to be Andre Michelle, did someone pull the actor aside in advance and be like, so heads up, this is what's going to be coming down the pike? Did anybody fight it?
4: I, rem- <laughs> I remember with the Michael Vaughn, the Michael Vaughn, Andre Michel thing. I just remember being in the writer's room. I don't think we did tell anybody, because sometimes it was fun to just like let them sort of experience it. And I remember literally the door to the writer's room bursting open and Jen's standing there and she's like, Are you guys kidding me? Are you serious? And we're like, yeah, we're serious. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was half the fun was not telling.
2: Anybody. Yeah. Did anybody ever fight any you guys on anything? Or or stand up for their characters' rights and not wanting them to do?
6: I don't remember anybody. Again, I, yeah, I don't
4: remember anybody
7: finding no.
2: about anything. It was, I mean, there was it was, such they would a,
4: sometimes want to talk it through and understand. Yeah, and, it, understand and be like, understand how is it. this possible?
7: But I feel like one of the one of the things, the DNA of the show, was being an alias, mm-hmm. um, being a different person, lying about who you are. So I kind of feel like it's fair game, and so they understood that.
6: Mm-hmm. And there was a there was a generosity of creativity in that workspace. Between the actors, between the writers and the directors, like everybody really shared in the idea of like making the show as great as it could be. So when there were conversations, there were never fights. There were right. always just kind right. of like, "Let's make sure we're making the best version of
1: this."
2: You had mentioned um, Jennifer telling you she was pregnant. As writers, when your lead comes to you and says, "I am pregnant," was there? Did you guys talk about not writing it into the plot, or it, was it became?
4: Always- it was such a big deal, obviously, yeah. to yeah. figure out there was all options were on the table and I, we right, debated right. And it. And there for, were a lot
7: of character discussions. <laughs> no, I mean, we were like, okay, what is, will Sydney Bristow go on our missions if she's pregnant? Right. Would Sydney Bristow as a character do that? Would she take those risks? Would she not take those risks? Like, it, we had to talk it through because Maybe Sydney we Brist- don't
4: say she's pregnant.
5: How long could we yes. tell those stories before Jen would be showing? There was, it was, yeah. Yeah, which were questions that, you know, we were talking earlier about. I think one of the things that, was so special about the show was we, as we approached at at the beginning, there was never a question. People were asking, well, would you send a woman to do this job? Would you, you know, it it wasn't. It was like, that's why it was so empowering. Absolutely. Sydney was going to go do it and that was the world they all lived in. You know, it wasn't like Michael Mm -hmm. Vartan's character was like, you know, Sydney, I should do it. It was like, (laughs) no, that's the way it's going to be. And that, I think that's right, Monica, like the first time we had to deal with that. Was okay. She's pregnant, and that, and that changed different. it a little bit. And that had been one of the things about the show that was really special. Was no, this chick is badass, mm-hmm. and we're not. And that, and it was like, mm, wait a minute, though. Now she would have. She has to consider it, and it, yeah. it, was, it was. And also, we had to consider things for Jen that we it, not only that we had never considered she absolutely was adamant she did not want us to consider. Like, she wanted to do those things. It's part of what she loved about doing the show. And all of a sudden, we were confronted with, okay, there's really, this is complicated, you know, in a way, in a way that, that changes things for us.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. When did you guys know that season five was going to be the, the final season? Did you know at the start or midway through? I
5: think
6: at the, at the, I think at the front of season five. I think we came mm-hmm. into season five. Yeah. Know, that, that was going to be the last year. Again, we all knew about the pregnancy. Right.
5: So I think we were like, this
1: is...
7: this." Sydney Bristow's time. story might be coming to an end. Yeah.
5: Right. And there were practical... I mean, I think, you know, there's a lot of things that go into that, what the show was costing, but also Jennifer was a huge star. Yeah. And uh, Jennifer was now in her 30s. She really wanted a family. So, so there were practical considerations, I think, mm-hmm. going on as well. Like, Jennifer, after five years... I think her contract was up, and it was clear that you know she needed this time now to have her children. She wanted to pursue, so it was all, and it seemed right. right. I it think in that storytelling wise, right. and we had burned through so much story, <laughs> yeah. and it had been so much. Like I think it it, it, yeah, was, they, they have a, it has a natural course. Yes, right. I
2: mean Alias is so much about Endgame. We hear about Endgame all all through all the seasons. So when you're deciding how you're going to end this series. What was most important to you guys to make sure how it ended, how it was resolved?
6: It felt like it was important to give Sydney her life back. Yeah. It felt like that became sort of the north star of how do we how do we resolve this story? And because the pilot opened up with a a woman whose life had been sort of ripped away from her and was yeah. out of control, that to be able to give her that control back, if we could do that and do that in a way that as a character she felt like she could move on, then we felt like the audience could.
2: Was it at all intimidating to try to wrap up all the Rimbaldi and Arena and Jack? I mean, there was a lot to accomplish. Oh, again, he came. it was it was
4: weeks <laughs> and weeks of discussion and debate over yeah how we wanted to kind of put that button on right. the Rimbaldi device and and uh, Slo- I remember Sloan. the thing Sloan thing was We're that was uh, we when that idea came up. I don't remember who pitched it, Stop. but. Whoever pitched everybody got so excited yes, like, like uh-huh. he gets eternal life but he's buried alive it's check amazing. please everyone go home. <laughs> like yeah
2: it really it's it's a perfect uh, sort of uh, ending for yeah, what him what you want um, i just I want to know what every which all of you what was your favorite episode that you each got to work on
7: Oh you're starting with me <laughs> um, well this is it wasn't an episode Al and I wrote, but I wrote scenes for um, David Cronenberg, and that, like, as a fangirl, yes. I just I was shaking, and it was about funyuns, and it made me happy. So, um, Faken
4: and funyuns. Funyuns
7: and fake onions, yeah, and and so like it was just that was a moment in my television writing career where I was like, wow, I can do weird and get paid for it. <laughs> and that's pretty awesome.
6: Um, I, the our, the uh, the end of season four, the last episode of season four. Oh, that's so good. That was just it was sort of a, a great moment in time to be able to be like, put a great big twisty idea out in the world and, uh, and sort of let everybody wait for the next season to get their answers. So uh, that that was a fun. One.
4: I really I like the episode where and again we didn't write it, but it was just fun being in the room. I think Drew wrote it, Goddard. It was where
1: Welcome to Liberty Town. Village.
4: Yes, yes. <laughs> that was just a fun one again, where we were sort of stepping outside the box of of what the show is, and sort of you know, yeah.
3: Very true. Very true, got it. <laughs> Very true. That was not the one with um, Kevin on the when she's buried alive. That's
4: right, and Kevin has to exactly.
3: Which way? Is what she goes. What's that? He, he, they're directing him, and they're going turn. To keep going it, it, they're telling him to they're trying to get him right, to they're home directing into the, him to, how to
4: save Sydney, and, and, yeah. and, and,
3: and I can't remember which he, he's going which way and they don't give him a clear direction he's going which way and he's right. like running around like <laughs> exactly.
5: this. I, I think I, I don't remember what episode it was or what the, but I, there was a scene where uh, Jennifer confronted uh, Michael Vaughn uh, Sydney confronts Vaughn for the first time um, when she finds out that he's alive and she becomes self knowledge, it was, I thought Jennifer was brilliant. Where she says, I would have waited for you. Yeah. And that, that was my, which is funny, you know, I mean, I, I don't remember the episode, but that to me was, that scene was incredible between yeah. the two of them. And it, mm-hmm. that was the great stuff about we could do all this stuff on the show. That was so, and then still land it, like we landed it emotionally when she says, I would have waited for you.
2: Uh, I want to make sure we go to the audience because I know they probably have like, questions. But my last question for you guys is: Have you ever considered a reboot? Since we left, knowing that Sydney's <laughs> daughter has some great spa- uh, spatial intelligence of her own, would it would it ever? It seems like it's something that could be easily brought back. It would be amazing back.
4: to do. We were talking about this before. It would be amazing to do it, but it yeah. would only be. And there's even we've even talked with JJ, like or you know. The right idea would have to come. You wouldn't want to do it unless it was absolutely perfect and it was for the right idea, not to just...
5: We'd have to make Josh and Andre's deal, is what he's saying. (laughs) (laughs) There are agents here, and it would be... We can't do it. I mean, Sarah said, no, there's... No, we're not giving you that. You can't have your own jet.
2: And JJ's not busy at all, so I'm sure yeah, that. would be fun. There, right. <laughs> um, I'm sure you guys have questions. Let's start right here in the front. I'm wondering
6: if, if what storylines you didn't get to do that you would have liked to do, or something that got like left on the drawing before.
2: Did you guys hear that oh, in the Josh, back? They asked. Uh, he asked. There, there was one thing that that we
4: were that I was dying to do. I don't know if anybody yet. No, but there was there was a movement in the writers, and we wanted. I think it was for the season three mm-hmm. finale. There was this idea that. We were somehow gonna get Sydney into a position where. It would have been so good. Um, get Sydney into a position where they were gonna be climbing this mountain, and she was with Jack and Vaughn, and somehow the, the ropes get tangled, and Jack and Vaughn are both dangling, and they're gonna pull Sydney with her, but she has to cut the rope of one of them. And let them die. Basically, that was a good one. And she's in this moment, and she has to make this horrible decision. And you were literally going to end the season.
1: You.
5: Cut to black. Um, I remember you guys talking about. Yeah, this. Yeah, we were yeah, so yeah, excited. It. It. I mean, you were going to do this, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. No, it I got happened. this close to
4: the finish line, and
7: I thought, I thought, it, I thought the idea somehow leaked. And
4: then yeah. That's what. That's what it, that's it was. was. It leaked, oh. and then we had to.
7: Re- yeah. We got called back from hiatus we, we to re-break like, we, we the season finale. And they were that like, was a weird year. Yes. Everybody back in the
2: room, we gotta come up with a new idea.
7: So yeah. It would have been
4: awesome. <laughs>
2: but, but whose rope would she have actually cut? Vaughn.
6: Vaughn! We would have figured that out next season. <laughs>
2: Um, who asked that oh, daddy back dad. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um so this relates to the season three finale. Um, Cindy finds the folder that says she's Project 47. Um and it seemed like Jack was going all- to tell her something. But then in season four, it turns out that what was in the folder was about, the arena, like, about and Marina killing uh Jack telling but it seemed like it was gonna be
5: originally to go a different way. So I was wondering what the... You're saying was, the writers suck. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I know. I had the same question.
4: <laughs> but Ken, Ken hasn't slept since uh, 2005.
5: Yeah, that bugged me.
2: Uh, the question was about uh, the end of season three and Sydney finding the folder about um, Project 47.
6: I wish Jeff Pinkner was here.
4: Yeah. <laughs> it's
5: always Pinkner, isn't it? Yeah.
2: I just blame
6: him. Um, I don't know. I, I couldn't, I, I don't remember well.
4: It was supposed to end with a rope getting cut.
6: <laughs> because it didn't,
4: everything got confused.
6: <laughs> um, yeah, I, to be honest, uh,
4: uh, I think. Oh, if he pulls this together, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. hey, right. Andre. I got it. Us? Just, I, I don't
3: it, have... it was lost. Uh? And that, because we went and did lost. JJ and I did the pilot of Lost in the middle of season four. And that's what Project 47 was. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Who else? Who's next? Oh, right here. Uh, was the original intention like always
2: to have Lauren as evil? Like, or, like from the beginning you What's knew it? that she was going to be evil? Yeah. This is about I Bond's think... wife, Lauren. If you can hear in the back.
7: Yeah, oh, yeah, I think we
6: knew, but we didn't want to give it up. Right.
7: But we, we knew. But it was interesting because you wrote her as a good character, and it became very clear early on that there was nothing that woman could do to be liked. Well, you're gonna like, hate. I mean, you her. were gonna hate her <laughs> no matter how kind. She could have just been saving kittens and puppies, and it still would have been like you married no. Vaughn. No, so um, so funny. there was inevitability. Because I just it was funny because it was the first time you were like, oh wow, well, the intention of the writing didn't come through for every single episode. And then mm-hmm. you realize, oh, there's just... it. it
5: Nothing you
0: could do. Jennifer...
7: Yeah. yeah, Sydney. They hated her. Yeah, no, they <laughs> just... They hated her. Yes. They're like, wait, that's no. spawn no. Uh-uh. Yeah, no. <laughs> Evil. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm interested in what the series relationship
5: was to the actual CIA because I know Jennifer Garner
7: did a recruitment
5: video for the mm-hmm. CIA and that Chase Brandon
2: who was the CIA's entertainment liaison officer at the time. The media report that he worked with the writer during season one so I just interested
3: this is about we whether the CIA, how involved
2: the CIA was. <laughs> peripheral. Well, weren't
3: there.
6: None of us were there in
5: season one. <laughs> but, uh, the go, the go, yeah, I know. They should have cut which rope. Yeah. I know. Yeah. 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 That's, gonna, that's the go-to answer, isn't it? Well, if they've cut the rope. But I think it was peripheral. I, I, I really do. I, I mean, it, it was there so that there would be a... a a basis in truth that we could go from, but it it, it wasn't any... They infiltrated the entire entertainment industry <laughs> through Alias. <laughs> um,
6: we did... We, we have a friend who uh, who's an attorney who married uh, a woman who worked at the CIA, and she was at the farm. Uh, she was telling us that her first year at the farm was the first year of Alias, and she said that literally the recruits every week would sit down and watch <laughs> Alias. And they all thought, she did too, she was like, we're gonna be Sydney Bristow.
1: <laughs> and then
6: she was like, and then like three years later, she's like, I was in Afghanistan, in like a listening station, having like a miserable life. So she's like, we all thought that this was like the dream that was happening in right. the CIA, but she was like, but it was more like Homeland.
1: Right.
3: I know there was someone in the way back there in the green shirt. Yeah, Michael Giancina. Um, I had worked with him a little bit and uh, JJ had I don't it was, I think It's St- the video game, it was, was a yes, video yes, game? He used game. him to to write music on his on some video games. He
4: did Medal of Honor, the video game and I know Jesse Alexander became obsessed yes. and passed it along to JJ who became obsessed and and, he, and by the way, didn't JJ write
5: the uh, JJ wrote the theme. theme? JJ's JJ very the musical, theme. and and yeah. so um, JJ JJ wrote the theme, but Michael then did all the score. Yeah. Michael Giacchino.
3: And they've been together ever since. They're very mm-hmm. happy together. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody else back there? Yes, right there. Can you talk about your favorite villains or and how you enjoyed writing for them. Sometimes they're fun, sometimes you know they're not. And
7: who's your favorite?
4: The funniest thing about Sark was, again, coming on a little late because I Sark was the man, and he. Uh, <laughs> the funniest thing was not knowing anything about David Anders when I met him. You know, I assumed he was going to be this debonair, you know, little British guy, and you meet him, and he's like, "Hey, what's up, bro? How's it going?" man? he's like, <laughs> like this really chill dude from where is it Portland or the total opposite of everything you thought Sark would be so but yeah Sark was that was was so much fun I
7: remember writing an episode where he and um, Rachel hooked up uh, Bob and he used his accent and it was just so much fun to hear him be himself
2: did
6: there's a mark up there yeah please don't hate me but
2: the question was, did season five feel different for you I guys think too? We,
4: I think it did center around, Je- it's what we were talking about before with Jen's pregnancy. There mm-hmm. was like suddenly there was questions we were asking right. ourselves that we never had to ask before and then we were bringing in you know, new characters new to sort of...
6: Suddenly sending other agents on missions that normally she should have been on. So it just, it did take on a different dynamic.
2: Who's next? Right back there. Uh, it seems, I don't know if this was planned, but with those new agents, was there ever any talk about doing sort of a spin-off with the new agents? I guess to point 2.0.
4: Again, I think at the time it felt like if it wasn't Jen, it wasn't Alias. And yeah. it's still probably true. Yeah. Back there? Is there a
2: storyline where the advised devices to the writer girl? If it went to air, have the writer girl not being on
1: board with the
6: story
7: choice? I don't remember one specifically. The
6: one thing I always remember was the plane episode with Ricky Gervais. That we broke that episode Five times We broke yeah. it And unwound it And rebroke it The was it? Ricky J. 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 episode That was the one that I think that's the one That ground the room the oh. <laughs> To like an absolute halt For like four weeks We just couldn't We couldn't break the back Of the story As much as we tried And it, in typical J.J. fashion He literally came in And we were like So is this version And this version He's like Let's just do this and then And then you go here And then this scene And then we'll do that And that'll be the act out And then we'll do that And it was like Two hours later, the episode's broken. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks for coming.
2: <laughs> I think we have time for a couple more. Yes, right here in the front. Can you talk about the relationship between Sydney and Dixon? Because I still think that's one of like the great sort of partnerships. partnerships oh, yeah. Yeah. All of TV, they, you know, it just had like, this uniqueness. They never really portrayed each other in any well, except she lied to him.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Repeatedly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I like,
2: yeah.
6: Yeah, and I—it's I, funny. I read something back in the day, and they were like, "Dixon, he's such a bore. Like, why is that guy around?" And I was like, "Dixon was like the ultimate like wingman. Like, yeah. he was always yes. there for her. And I think that that's what made him so incredible. And they that. had
5: real affection for each other yeah. as well. And yeah. you know, Carl, just he has that kind of strength. He was—he's just really an incredible person. And you know, that so that I think a lot of that informed. You know that relationship was was this real depth of, of feeling right. for each other, and
7: that she had this sort of decent partner yeah. that she could count on, who wouldn't right. lie to her, who had a fan. Like he was sort of. It was like the one Yes, yeah. exactly the the one uncomplicated thing in her life. Yeah, that was really, and it was yeah, it was
5: really was devoted to her, and it wasn't sexualized. There yeah, was a exactly, deep, deep yeah. friendship. It was almost like a sibling in a certain way, like having yeah. an older, older brother, brother for her. Yeah. For you.
2: All right, one more. Yes, back there in yellow. One quick
6: question. So, on the uh, Francie doesn't like coffee ice cream scene, any cool behind the scenes story? I mean, that scene was just so amazing, and that had to be fun to write, and also you know, the stunts and everything about
5: it. Well, the biggest thing the the scene where uh, you you first see that the double of Francie, where you pan from Francie to Francie dead, that was originally supposed to be the end of the episode with Ethan Hawke. We were going to find that out there, and in, um, because and I had directed that one. But then the decision was made that that wasn't going on the Super Bowl. But that was the coolest shot. So they put that at the end of the Super Bowl episode, and everybody thought Jack Bender did it, but
3: (laughs) (laughs) it was fine.
5: He he did lost.
3: It was really fun to shoot that. (laughs) It was really fun to shoot as well, technically, because we had motion control in those days and it was like, had all these computer, these cameras and they're run by computers so they can keep doing the pass-bys exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So we then you put, we move the actor in and out of the shot and then it's repeated in exactly the same way, completely precisely. And it was in the back of some shitty little set on, on, <laughs> on the Disney... Toy Town place <laughs> where we'd shoved her restaurant <laughs> and we put this tile up and everything. And it, it took us hours. I, mean, I remember it was like a night <laughs> freezing and it was just like, oh, for God's sake, it's gone. But it was fantastic. <laughs> I mean, it, was, it just looked so great. I was really proud of that.
2: I was told we can do one more. So, anyone last question back there? Yes. Uh, when you one. Uh, you know what
5: base these guys, come on!
4: No, I no, I, I, will, I remember again because we came in when Phase Two yeah. was was starting. Basically, I remember again being huge fans of the show, getting hired to come work on the show, and be like, "Okay, so what so what's it? gonna happen now?" And they're like, "Come in, we're trying to figure it out. Yeah. We're not, not sure. Yeah. Like, you got any ideas?" Yeah.
3: Yeah,
4: exactly.
3: <laughs> that was really fun. Oh, one thing I, I want to say is like we used to have a lot of fun when we were shooting, and Jennifer. Uh, just created this thing called Crew Member of the Month, oh, and scary. and um, they'd pick somebody, and they would she would, they'd get a massage, they would get a parking place right by the stages, they did not have to go in the big old parking building and find their place, and something else, something really fun, and it, the way it would be announced was always something extraordinary, and the first one was her her dress of the costume girl. And she, we're standing on the set. And we don't, nobody knows what's going on. And we're there. And it's, and it's kind of quiet. And then suddenly there was this kind of blast of a trumpet. And we look around. An entire mariachi band steps out <laughs> and serenades her. And it sort of got crazy and crazy. And one, the, the biggest final one, I think, was for Richard Code, who was one of their first ADs on the show. And uh, we're standing there. And the stage doors are pulled open. It's at night, and there's a. And he was raised in Hawaii, and there's Hawaiian fire eaters, dancers, Bums, stuff, drums, yeah, awesome. musicians. This whole thing goes on, and then a white stretch limo comes, this sort of filled with babes, and drives him off. <laughs> <laughs> but that was like typical. So every month, something like that happened, and. We had an AD whose pretty much his job was another AD whose pretty much his job was to organize it all because they got more and more and more in Lambert. But it was really fantastic. <laughs> it was sort of that was every. It was so memorable. I think for all the crew and a lot of the crew uh, we worked with after that, and we and I still have people from that time working with me now. So it was it was very special.
2: Well, thank you guys so much for coming. <clears throat>